0: Welcome everyone to this episode of the Palmetto Guardian. I'm Sergeant Chelsea Weaver and today we have a full studio. Um, I'm going to let everybody go ahead and introduce themselves and then we're going to get into today's topic. So we'll start with you sir.
1: Uh, my name is Colonel Jeff Penland. I'm with JFHQ. I'm the staff judge advocate at JFHQ. I'm a part-time M-Day uh, judge advocate or member of the South Carolina Army National Guard. On the full-time side of my civilian life I'm am ai a, I'm a uh, government relations and public policy uh, person for an electric
2: utility in, San, uh, in South Carolina called Santee Cooper. Okay. Hey, I'm uh, Chris Barton. I'm a colonel in the South Carolina National Guard. I'm the state staff judge advocate. Uh, on the M-Day side, um, I am the um, uh, attorney advisor for the South Carolina National Guard. Hi, I'm Kelvin Wright. I'm a major in the
3: South Carolina National Guard. I'm the brigade judge advocate for 59th Aviation Troop Command. And as a civilian, I am a DA civilian, Title V for the South Carolina Military Department. And I'm an attorney, attorney advisor in that position.
0: Awesome. Well, I appreciate each of you stopping by today to talk to us. I know we're going to learn some exciting information. I don't really know much about the judge advocate or what others know as JAG. So I'm excited. But, um, sir, if you want to go ahead and kind of just talk about what a JAG is and what it entails and all that fun stuff.
2: Sure. So uh, for, so the JAG stands for Judge Advocate General Corps. Uh, the Judge Advocate General is an attorney. Uh, the attorney serves as an advisor uh, to the command. Uh, there are also a couple of roles in which the attorney would also advise individual soldiers. That's normally in the areas of trial defense services or TDS, and then also in the area of legal assistance. Uh, those are Those are the two times where the attorney would actually work uh, one-on-one with a soldier or a soldier's family. Uh, Otherwise, uh, the JAG is there to advise the command.
0: Okay. So um, on the civilian side, do you have to go through, like, law school and all that kind of stuff to get to this point, or do you enlist and then just go through training through the military? Like, how does that work?
2: So typically to become a JAG officer, you have to uh, have graduated from – Uh, American Bar Association accredited law school. So you would have done undergrad in some degree. And it can be, and for for anybody that wants to go to law school, you can have a wide variety of degrees. There's no set curriculum um, to to be truly pre-law. You could have a degree in dance and theater. You could have a degree (laughs) in in, uh, engineering. You could have a degree in everything in between. Um, And then go to law school, graduate law school. And upon graduation from law school, um, you, would, you would be eligible uh, for uh, looking at coming into uh, the JAG Corps. Also, you'd have to eat the, meet the age requirements, and obviously certain physical requirements. But um, from an educational standpoint, you'd have to be a graduation from an from a American Bar Association accredited law school.
3: Right. I,
2: I want to piggyback on that a little bit. Uh,
3: so the JAG Corps, JAG Corps uh, encompasses the enlisted warrant officers and the officers. In order to be enlisted, you have to have a certain score and then you can qualify to become a 27 Delta paralegal and you go off to school at uh, Fort Lee and then you become a JAG uh, enlisted. You can also become a warrant officer where they're more so a office manager. And we have uh, the chief uh, warrant officer for the JAG Corps is actually from South Carolina, uh, CW5 uh, West. And then in order to become an officer is what uh, Colonel Barton, was talking about. So if you want to be an officer in the JAG Corps, you have to be an attorney prior to uh, coming on. Um, We kind of alluded to this before we came in here. A lot of our JAGs had prior service. So they may have been artillery or um, infantry uh, while they were in school. And then they uh, became an attorney, got their bar license, and then uh, joined the JAG Corps as an officer um, attorney.
0: Okay. So it's not like um, I walk into a recruiter's office, and it's like, I want to be a JAG. Like, you, there's a whole other process. You can't just enlist as being a JAG.
3: You have to already be an attorney if you want to be an attorney in the military. Okay. So you've already done uh, law school, and you've taken the bar, and you pass the bar, and then you put in an application to become a JAG. You get approved, then you have to go to military JAG school, and you also have to go through some uh, military uh, traditional military training to you know, uh, prove that you're a military uh, member also. But uh, first and foremost, you have to already be an attorney. Okay.
1: For folks who are interested in becoming a judge advocate in the Army National Guard, South Carolina Army National Guard or paralegal, uh, we, we're in a posture right now where we, we're, we're, we're bringing in new judge advocates. We've got 23 slots, I think, in the state for judge advocates, and we're, we're in, in a position where we're trying to bring in a few each year, uh, Colonel Barton, is, is uh, leading that effort, but also on the paralegal side. Um, so that's a 27-alpha on the paralegal. 27-delta. Uh, yeah, for, for, for judge paral- advocates. Yeah. Uh, so. And then 27-delta for paralegals. We're also trying to do that with paralegals. I think we've got a uh, similar number of slots mm-hmm. for the paralegals. So we are, we are wanting to talk to people about both becoming a judge advocate and a paralegal and the best way to do that, like like uh, Major Wright said, is to reach out to us. We we generally do some screening and, and just kind of vet people, talk to their them about what it what it you know like this, mm-hmm. what what it involves, and then ultimately we just kind of put them in the pipeline for that recruitment side, and then they have to start you know checking off the block blocks that that are required in order to come in. But ultimately, if someone's interested, we want to talk to them because we do have some needs and um, reaching out to us is, is the best way to do that. And,
2: and, and typically what we'll try to do is, is if let's say that attorneys from the Greenville area, we have several attorneys in the JAG Corps already that are live in the Greenville area, we'll refer them. They may even in fact, in fact, know them so they can feel comfortable talking to them, getting some background, finding out, Hey, what is it really like? I know I see what it's like on paper, but Tell me what it's really like in real life. And we found that that is really a successful way to recruit people in because they get straight information from someone they trust and it helps uh, set them up for success too when they first come in.
3: If you're in the listening audience and you want to uh, speak to one of us about the subject, you can call 803-299-4319 and leave a message if no one answers. And uh, we'll definitely get back to you in a timely fashion.
0: Okay. Okay. Now sir you mentioned that there's 23 slots so are there slots within the whole state like at brigade level mm-hmm. or what does that look like
1: So that's that a good question so we've got uh, units of ju- judge advocates within each MSC I guess is how we refer to them with with one sort of exception and I'll run through those with you we've got a, we've got a few attorneys at each one of these so we at the engineer brigade the 117th we've got some attorneys Uh, the 218th Infantry Brigade, attorneys there, 228th Signal Brigade, same thing, 263rd uh, Air and Missile Defense Command uh, in Anderson. Um, We've got uh, 59th Troop Command out at um, McIntyre, 59th Aviation Command, Uh, uh, Colonel Barton's at the AAMDC and Major Wright's at the 59th Aviation uh, Troop Command. We've got um, a trial defense group, uh, we've got we've got we've also got a 678 uh, air defense Colonel, artillery. Is that what they are? Their ADA they've got a fire field artillery component to them, but I guess they're an ADA yeah, brigade. The
2: field, yeah, the, the field artillery battalion falls underneath 678th brigade. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. and so we've got some attorneys there, and then we've got a, a JF HQ unit, which which I'm part of, which supports the JF HQ command, and within that y- unit, we've got some trial defense service attorneys who. Uh, represent soldiers in South Carolina as well as a region that South Carolina is a part of. Mm -hmm. And they fall under JFHQ really mainly for administrative purposes. So within each one of those uh, MSCs, we've got one, two, three judge advocates who are helping with, as as Colonel Barton said at the beginning, helping the command and and also servicing soldiers, which we want to talk to you all about that as well, is how we how we can help uh, soldiers out as well, but we, we serve those commands.
2: Yeah, so the JAGs always work at the brigade level or higher. Uh, the 27 Deltas have an opportunity to work at the battalion level as well. So 27 Deltas may get pushed out to the battalion level to work at that level. You're never going to usually see them at the company level below. When I say that they're at the battalion level, they're at the headquarters company or the headquarters battery for that battalion. And then if they're at the MSC, they're at the headquarters company for that MSC.
1: Um, That's an important part, I guess, for the folks who uh, just just trying to understand what we how we're structured. That the paralegals are part of our team, and so um, within each one of those units, like Colonel Barton said, the, the paralegals, while they might serve at the battalion level, they're really part of the legal team, and we've got uh, support from the the Adjutant General and his staff that that those paralegals are really. Know, intended to be part of the legal team. And, and so we've, got to, we've had an initiative in, a, in place for a year or two to try to really make that more robust and make sure that that, that sort of whole team
2: effort is being fulfilled. So, so one of the things we try to do for our paralegals is we'll have an annual paralegal training day where we bring in all the uh, paralegals from the entire state. They come here to Columbia to the uh, TAG building um, and uh, we'll do a one-day training for them it's an opportunity for them to kind of interact with one another, interact with us, and provide them with a good knowledge base and then to push them back out in the field to work with their respective commands.
0: Okay. Now one question with you guys going back and forth with all that that I had is – what's some differences or is there differences between those who are out at the MSC level on an M-Day status versus like you all are full-time in some kind of capacity? Like are there differences with the job or day-to-day or things that you would come across or work with, or is it kind of all the same? It's just whether you do it on the weekend or whether you do it full-time.
2: So okay. I would say I'll, I'll, I'll let Calvin talk a little bit about maybe some of the M-Day and that crossover. There is definitely a difference though. Um, Typically, the the everyday function um, kind of supporting the organization, um, we end up dealing with a lot of folks who are dual-status technicians, so the Title 32 soldiers. We also deal with AGR soldiers more so on the full-time capacity. And then on the M-Day side, you know, typically you're involved with your unit's training cycle, depending on what kind of mission your unit may be getting ready to do. If you're going to deploy overseas, obviously you're training up for that. Or let's say you're getting ready for a warfighter exercise or uh, you know, a big, big formal exercise that you're going to do, the JAG's going to be, you know, integrally involved with that. And it's going to depend on, you know, what, what your MSC is as to what, you know, involvement the JAG has. Uh, let's say you are at the 218th Brigade. You might be um, helping, you know, in this case, the 218th is getting ready to deploy overseas uh, to the Horn of Africa. Uh, you know, so they've been doing a lot of training, um, uh, looking at uh, rules of engagement, soldier conduct, they, they'll they'll be working with the command on, on th- those kind of issues. Um, I'll let you talk a little bit about some of the things that you see from your Foxhole at the Aviation Troop Command because they, they have an interesting mission.
3: Yeah, so uh, when you're M-Day, you're dealing with the core competencies that you learn as being a JAG, uh, like you said, uh, when you're advising the commander and then the legal assistance. Mm-hmm. But up here as a uh, full-timer, we're dealing with a lot more federal, like law, federal employment-type issues and dealing with uh EEO issues and versus the EO issues that would be uh when you're in uniform uh versus being a federal employee so it's a lot of overlap but there are definitely some uh differences I can tell you when I came up here in 19 it's definitely a learning curve of going from just uh going over the standard training packages with the uh soldiers talking about Lautenberg and talking about uh uh, sharp things of that nature that you kind of go through, um, on the drill weekend. when you come up here, you're dealing with a whole lot. You're dealing with that plus more. So it's just, I wouldn't say that someone who's an M day Jag couldn't come up here, but they definitely have to be prepared that it's not going to be the same as your drill weekend. Um, we can cover down a lot for them. They pe- probably couldn't cover down for us, uh, just because we had to get additional training once you come on here. So, uh, we always encourage p- folks to come up and see what we're doing because I can tell you they probably don't understand what we're doing. Just like anybody else, you think that your job is always harder than the next guy's <laughs> job. So, uh, but uh, a lot of times they come up and they're like, oh, wow, you guys are doing a whole lot. Uh, mm-hmm. But is definitely a lot more robust uh, area. Of it's different because uh, I can tell you, uh, Chris and myself, we were both, uh, prior to coming on here, we were uh, criminal uh, prosecutors. Uh, and at one point I was a defense attorney. Uh, for about five years. Now it's prosecuted for like nine years. And this is a totally different world. It's a learning curve to uh, be able to provide the agency what they need from their uh, legal staff.
2: And, and, and typically what you find from the full-time staff is, you know, we view our job is to support the MDA staff. So we're there to try to help, the, you know, manage the organization itself. But then our primary focus is just to make sure that we've got the, in place those folks at that MSC level or at that battalion level, when you say MSC, major subordinate command. Mm -hmm. um, So those folks are there. And so if they show up on, you know, uh, let's say it's just your typical drill weekend, they show up on a Saturday morning, they're ready to go and hit the ground running. Um, They've got everything they need in terms of equipment, you know, um, support and that type of stuff to be ready to do their training. So they can focus on training and not have to necessarily focus on the underlying organization and, and, and the running of it.
1: And I'll, I'll just – I've got really nothing new to add to that except <laughs> I can publicly thank these guys because they do a great mm-hmm. job. We've got a great full-time staff. Uh, I've, I've worked in, in-house in for organizations a lot for, throughout my civilian career, and we've got a great in-house attorney group. Um, we're really fortunate to have that, and, um, you know, they do help. So I've been the, the MSC side where they, they support those. So they—they do where they support those folks, and they do a great job. On the M-Day side, uh, you really end up supporting your command. And a lot of the command and the staff and the and the soldiers are also M-Day and part-time. So they're coming in with a posture of really that preparation and training. That's what the those MSCs, you know, are, are in that status of being ready. And so you end up sort of supporting whatever the command's focus is with their responsibility to be ready. And a lot of times that ends up being things like, you know, investigations when when things occur that that need to be looked into the jags help with that things get broken and lost you get involved with that the command wants to make sure they're they're, they sometimes get us get an opinion about what they want to do so they they inquire and get advisement from the the jags about you know a reg or a law or just the posture of a decision that they're trying to make we also do provide some legal assistance to soldiers during those weekends as well, and so that's another role that we can play. But I'd say a lot of the work you got—I haven't done it for a few years—but uh, in that posture. But it's investigations, it's some military justice and non-judicial punishment, administrative type stuff, and then claims, fillables, that sort of thing is is a big component of it. Now I'll say this too for anyone listening out there who who may not always see their JAG on a on a drill mm-hmm. weekend. You know, we do a lot of work throughout the, the month. Uh, you know, a judge advocate supporting these commands and their staff. So it's not just the commanders, the staff and others. They get calls all the time and uh, really, really proud of them. Because one of the things I tell our branch group is that I don't hear a whole lot of complaints from commanders and units about our judge advocates, which tells me that they're doing a great job out there. So, um, Just really proud of everybody for for that.
0: I'm glad that we're having this conversation because as you, sir, were bringing up, um, like, the training exercises and all of that. And then, sir, you brought up, um, like, if equipment is lost or broken or whatever. uh, When you're a lower enlisted in these units and you are a part of these kind of things or you kind of know what a JAG is, but you don't know really what they do. I would have never thought that that's something that JAG would do. Like, why would they need to be involved in the training exercises and all that? But now it makes sense because it's like there's all this stuff that goes into it, and you said the rules of engagement and all of that. Like, I just – I was an MP prior to being public affairs, so I just thought they told us what we could and couldn't do, and that was it. (laughs) Like, I would have never thought that that's something that somebody else would be a part of or have some kind of say in.
2: Yeah, no. Calvin talked a little bit about the core competencies – and when he's talking about that, there's 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 core competencies that, as an attorney, the, the JAG Corps teaches every JAG and expect them to have that. Uh, in terms of areas of the law, though, you can imagine that when you have an entity as big as the Army or Air Guard, you're, you're touching so many different areas. And I'll just give you a quick little rundown of just some of the areas we do. So we do labor law, and that can be you know, advising, in, in, in our case, on the full-time staff, where we have civilian uh, employees, and I'm, I'm, I'm a civilian employee. We also have Title 32 technicians who are kind of in a unique role in that they wear a uniform, mm-hmm. but they're really a civilian employee Monday through Friday, unless they're in a, in, in, a, in a drill status or in some type of on orders to be on actual military duty, uh, and they belong to a union. So, uh, you know, we do labor law in that regard. We actually engaged recently in, in a contract negotiation with the labor union. Um, And Calvin was actually a part of that. Uh, So that's something that you might not typically see um, elsewhere. Uh, We do environmental law. Uh, You know, we go on, um, and if we are building a new building, we'll do an environmental assessment. If we are looking to uh, go, uh, we go out to National Training Center. You have to be aware of the certain environmental restrictions. If you're training out at Fort Irwin, California, if you go down to Fort Stewart even, uh, we will we will we will potentially you know be triggering uh, environmental assessments. Uh, we recently uh, are in the process of uh, becoming a tenant at uh, the air base in Charleston, and that involved an environmental assessment before we, we took over a building uh, down there. Uh, we do national security call law. That I, I don't I don't I, I would, I'll have to say I never liked that term. I am I'm, I'm an old school. I'm kind of, I, I like it's operational law, but law of war, law of armed conflict, mm-hmm. um, and that's important. And, it, and, uh, and that can be uh, cyber law now, too, intelligence law um, and uh, special operations law. And so it, and it, it comes with a wide variety of areas. So let's just say, by way of example, the field artillery battalion, they would typically have, uh, you know, when we're deployed overseas, whether that was in Iraq or Afghanistan, you'd have a targeting cell. And part of that targeting cell would usually be a JAG officer in there to help making sure that they comply with the rules of engagement, um, and and it has specialized knowledge to look at and advise that commander before, uh, you know, you engage with you know, some heavy weaponry um, to try to minimize collateral damage, mm-hmm. uh, and so that's just one area. Um, contract and fiscal law, you know, every time we buy a tank or we buy a Humvee or we buy a piece of uh, aircraft equipment, you know, there's a contract and there's fiscal law things that go in there, uh, so. We do criminal law. We talked a little bit about that already. We do legal assistance, uh, administrative law, just the just the you know running of the business. Um, again, we talked about operational law, and then we also do civil litigation. So, you know, uh, we're like any other corporation or any other business out there. We get sued from time to time too, and so that we'll sit there and we'll look over that, uh, we'll look over the allegations, and sometimes we can handle it internally. Otherwise, other times we'll hand those cases off to either. The U.S. Attorney's Office or to private counsel to uh, to help uh, with help us manage our litigation.
1: Got one. One thing to sort of Chris uh, Colonel Barton uh, jogged sort of something in, in my mind. Um, we also get, you know get mobilized just like everybody else. So you know our ju- judge advocates to twenty seven alphas and the paralegals twenty seven deltas go on uh, get get mobilized and deployed along with everybody else. So we've had folks uh, sent to the border as part of the Texas mission, Kuwait, as part of the signal brigade group. Um, Got folks going to Africa as part of the 218th on state active duty. You know, we, we have roles during hurricane uh, or emergency operations. We had folks activated during the uh, COVID Mm -hmm. COVID, uh, the pandemic. So, you know, when, when units are getting called up to serve that function talked earlier about sort of the posture of MSCs is to be ready when they get called to actually perform. Uh, oftentimes our judge advocates are, you know, being brought into that, that circumstance as well, as well as paralegals. And so um, we play that role as well. We have an active duty role that we, we have to uh, perform when, when called upon.
2: So typically um, the army will give you, train you in the kind of the core competencies uh, as a young Young Jag, you're typically going to, the first couple assignments are going to be just re- really, and I'm looking more at the Title Ten side of the house, but it, it probably applies to some of us in, in the Guard as well. You're typically going to go be assigned as a trial counsel or uh, as a legal assistance officer right out of the gate. Um, after that is when you'll have an opportunity to through the schooling that you choose to attend, you can try to kind of shape your career a little bit. Uh, it, it's always a little bit of a balance between the needs of the army and what the soldier might want. But I know that, you know, for, for you know, Calvin, uh, for Major Wright, what he has tried to do is, you know, he's he's now beginning to focus on the labor side of the house. And he talked a little bit earlier about EO and EEO. So EO is equal opportunity and EEO is the equal employment opportunity. And so those laws are federal laws. And some state laws that apply to everyone that works within an organization that, you know, everyone's, everyone's treated equally and equitably. Um, and so those are issues that we will potentially deal with. Um, and you can have an opportunity through, you know, your continuing legal education to gain knowledge in those specialized areas of the law. And what, we'll, what you'll see typically over the career of a JAG is, they will, again, always try to maintain their core competencies, but then they can kind of branch off into a specialty that they might choose to. Uh, Cyber law has been one of the things that I was interested in, and and it's really obviously been a recently developing field because when I first joined the National Guard, there wasn't cyber law. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm, I'm kind of a dinosaur. (laughs) But, um, you know, and so you see that that has become a thing now, and, and we actually, at the national level, uh, one of our former South Carolina Jags is kind of leading that effort. That's Major Brandon Rowland, who came from South Carolina, is now working at, at National Guard Bureau, uh, and in their operational law section, and um, actually helps to run the cyber course that is usually done on an annual basis, where they do a, a operation and a training, um, uh, and, and so he does that. So again, you have a wide variety of options there. To again, uh, depending on the organization may want you to do but usually what we'll try to do is someone really has a desire to like i I want to branch into this area of the law we can usually try to find a niche that can help support that
3: and also kind of piggybacks on your civilian career if you're m-day and your civilian career you deal with a lot of ethics then you may be our ethics guru if your practice is state planning when we do uh legal assistance and there's a hard question we default to the people who have the most knowledge on the civilian side, because it's a lot of overlap. It's not a distinct line between uh, being a JAG and being a civilian attorney in South Carolina. It's pretty much the uh, uh, same rules and regulations on Title 10. You know, that you're dealing with, like UCMJ-type uh, versions of the actions, whereas when you're M-Day and when we're at work, we're dealing with Cyclonic Code of Military Justice when we're talking about different actions. So it's not a big leap from going from Title 10 thought process to coming to 32, but there is some distinction, and it's just easier for us to default to someone who does that on a day-to-day basis um, of being a South Carolina attorney when we have issues to come up, uh, and not just with using the UCMJ, South Carolina Code of Military Justice as an example, but it correlates also to uh, like state planning and uh, uh, ethics and uh, things of that nature. You have to have that duality of going from the federal side to the state side.
0: Like I was saying before, like, you have this perception of these different jobs. I mean, people do it with us, with public affairs. Mm -hmm. They're like, oh, you just go take photos. Oh, and it's like, no, you don't understand, like, what else goes on with it. Like, yeah, we have the worker bees like me who are out getting the coverage and stuff, but then you have Major Evans who is behind the scenes working with you guys, working with the tag when, like, all hell's bracing loose. It's breaking loose basically, or people are doing stuff they're not supposed to be doing. We get phone calls all the time, emails, messages on social media. Like, I mean, there's just so much more that goes into it than just taking a photo. So,
2: so you you mentioned that uh, you know, and we get Major Evans, just who's the, who's, the, who's the public affairs officer, mm-hmm. is just right down the hall from us. But even when it was when it was uh, Major Donnelly, but even before Major Evans, mm-hmm. um, you know, we used to get. Uh, situations where, hey, the governor's office has called and wants to know about something, or a news media outlet has called about doing something, whether it's a television station or, or like a, a newspaper. Uh, you know, most recently we've had a situation where the newspaper is calling, trying to find out information about uh, the uh, soldiers that we're going to send to the Texas border mission mm-hmm. in a state active duty capacity. And so that's where we interact with other staff like that to, to help, help review and just shape the message and make sure that we're putting out accurate information, but also making sure that we're following the law with the information that we put out.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I deal with PAO a lot with uh, community relations. Uh, mm-hmm. we we'll get requests for uh,
3: speakers or for the band or for a flyover, and it has to meet uh, the regulations that the tag has put out in his uh, Comrel uh, community relations uh, policy. And uh, it requires uh, PAO to approve it and for JAG to approve it, making sure that everything is stressed right. Addressed. It's not something outside of the ordinary community. Uh, that the TAG has envisioned when he said that we can, uh, support, uh, community events. So, uh, yeah, we do, we do, uh, cross, uh, pollinate with, uh, different, uh, parts of the agency specifically. Mm-hmm.
2: And that's, that's one thing that, again, that that's part and parcel of what, uh, what, what a JAG does both at the state level at, at our level and at the MSC level is it's not just there to advise the commanders, but it's also there to advise the staff, whether it's the S one S two S three, four and so on. So that'd be the personnel officer, you know, Intel, Operations and logistics. So we're going to provide advice to all those, all those, all those staff officers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'd, I'd like to do a little bit of a public
1: service announcement. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we still got folks listening and paying attention <laughs> at this point. Um, the we've got some services available to s- soldiers. So if if some someone in the command or staff or just a service member is listening in the National Guard, we've got we provide legal support, legal assistance support. To uh, members of the South Carolina Army National Guard, and and we've got a very talented judge advocate group. Um, they are criminal prosecutors, criminal defense. They are um, the domestic uh, lawyers. We've got estate planners. We've we've got uh, how members of the House of Representatives, South Carolina Senate, the Attorney General of the state is is one of our members. We've got a very good diverse group of professionals and one of the services that judge advocates provide is is you know we're we're known for wills and power of attorney in legal assistance but we will also help people with issues they're facing whether they be you know tenant issues or employment issues or whatever and while we can't represent them individually we can kind of advise them and, and give them some options and ideas about how to deal with with issues they're facing and and sometimes we can actually you know do it do a thing or two but we've we've got a number we want to put out there to mm-hmm. if people you know just want to inquire whether we're available to them for legal assistance that also you know when, when soldiers uh get in, into an issue uh, where where a serious maybe misconduct issue we've got a group called trial defense who the army has Designated to be there independent of the command to help soldiers who who are in some kind of trouble. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we've got a group designated for that. So when folks run into an issue, let's say positive drug test or something like that, we've got a group that hopefully they'll they'll get pipelined to outside of hearing this, but we want to make sure they know that this trial defense service is there for them as well. And we've got a number that we want to put out for so that let's as well. So let's start with, uh, if you
3: need legal assistance, you would call our office. The number would be 803-299-4319 and you leave a message or if someone picks up, you give, uh, let them know what's going on and then we'll get someone to call you back. If you're in need of trial defense services. Call a staff sergeant Bennett, and his phone number is nine one zero two one four one seven five seven. And you would let him know what's going on, and then he will relay you to one of the JAG officers uh, in our state. And we have a couple. We have a uh, uh, three uh, that cover the state, and then we have like a couple that are on the regional level. So you would get relayed to one of those uh, folks, and they would assist you.
2: So. I'll tell you just a real, I think, interesting legal assistance story. I got a phone call out of the blue from a soldier who thought uh, he was a little bit concerned that something was a hoax, that someone was contacting him. It was an attorney from Ohio that was contacting him to say, hey, uh, you've inherited a a rather large sum of money, and we need you to get in touch with us as soon as possible. And he's thinking, oh, this is the Nigerian prince or princess that has (laughs) promised me, you know, I just have to send him $1,000 for me to get the $5 Mm -hmm. million released to me or something like that. And uh, so I, I, I spoke with the soldier, got a little bit more information, and learned that he'd become estranged from his parents at some point in time and really had not maintained contact with his parents for a rather significant period of time. And um, uh, turned out that, you know, his parents were older and passed away and had actually left him an estate of, you know, several million dollars. Um, and so what we were able to do is, is, you know, help make those connections. Uh, there's one, again, Jeff talked about the depth and breadth that we have in terms of the JAG Corps, you know, ranging from our current attorney general, all the way down to corporate attorneys to, you know, defense attorneys to in this case, an attorney who has a practice in trust in the States. And so he had, he's very familiar with that. So I was able to link that soldier up with that attorney who could then reach out to the attorney in Ohio and, you know, lo and behold, this soldier is now inheriting a not insubstantial amount of money.
3: Wow. It's not me. <laughs> well, it's not me either. <laughs> that's
0: crazy. And, and that's the thing, too, is, like, I mean, the world we live in now and the technology, like, there's so many scams going on and everything like that. And so it's nice to know that um, the soldiers, service members, and their families and stuff have somewhere that they can go to get some kind of advice because a lot of people, it's the money. Like, well, I have to pay an attorney or a lawyer like all this money to go talk to them and this and that but like being in the guard it's nice to have people like y'all that we can sit down and have those conversations with to kind of put them at ease and point them in the right direction so that they don't get misled into something that they shouldn't have done or whatever the case may be um so I think it's great, and that was actually a question that I was going to ask: is how you guys worked with the soldiers and stuff like that. So, so I'm glad you brought it up.
1: They, they can call that number. Our judge advocates at the MSCs mm-hmm. are available. I mean, I'll, I'll, I will. I'll speak for them. They're they're there to do legal assistance. So if you've got an issue on a drill weekend, you can go into that office and feel welcome mm-hmm. to ask for. You know, they may not be able to get to your question right then, but you can coordinate with them to to provide that legal assistance during a drill weekend or during annual training. Mm -hmm. And just, uh, you know, just uh, as an FYI, one of the things on our to-do list is to try to make the legal assistance side of what we do a little more organized. And uh, we wanted to kind of make it a little bit more modern because with, with, you know, COVID bringing into the digital platform, how you can meet with people, how you can talk to people, you know, you know, Chris mentioned being a dinosaur. You know, the, the the sort of the paradigm of legal assistance is you meet with somebody. You know, they come into the office and you talk, or maybe you do it over the phone. But now you can you can really meet whenever, uh, and you can even have face to face, and you can share documents, you know, digitally. So we're looking at doing some more of that, and so hopefully there'll be more to come along those lines. But but folks should feel very welcome to walk into any judge advocate office within their brigades or wherever they serve and ask for that help or, or just reach out by phone to the to the assigned uh, judge advocates as well. So, and, and I'm turning into the numbers
3: guy, but uh, I have another number to give you. Okay. All right, so someone has an issue and they can't get in contact with any of us and it's not military-related, uh, the South Carolina uh, bar referral number is 1-800-868-2284. And you can get a uh, civilian attorney's number and so you can make contact and maybe have a cons- consultation. And they have, like, certain parameters where uh, there's a limit of how much they can charge you for the consultation if you go through that service. And, but if you want to speak to me um, during the week, Attorney Advisor Kelvin Wright, not Major Kelvin Wright, you can uh, give me a call at uh, 803-299-4223. That's my desk number. I'm pretty much always there, so you give me a call and I can help you and push you in the right direction. If I can't help you,
1: I'm pretty sure I know somebody who can. <laughs> that is definitely – I'm glad Major Wright brought that up. Our, our bar, the South Carolina Bar, that's the licensing sort of entity and, and the Association for Attorneys in South Carolina. They do have some great veteran services, so anyone facing issues should should kind of look up that. They've got a website, and uh, you can go look up their re- the resources they offer to veterans. It's it's scbar.org.
0: Okay. Yeah, well, de- I'm definitely going to put all this stuff in the show notes for everybody to have easy access to it um, because we've mentioned a lot of different things, and that way they can go back and figure out which number they may possibly need. Um, but, yeah, this is a lot of great information. Um, one thing that I thought about earlier uh, before we got into the weeds of what you guys do is – we don't talk about the Air Guard as much, but um, and I know all of you guys are Army. So, does the Air Guard side have their own form of JAGs, or do you guys kind of work with our Air Guard as well?
2: Yeah, so I, I work with the Air Guard JAGs on a pretty regular basis as a state staff judge advocate. So you have Lieutenant Colonel Harmon. Uh, I think it's still Major. The, or did he just recently get promoted? I think it's
3: uh, Colonel Harmon now, Lieutenant Colonel. Uh, Dugan. Dugan. Okay,
2: so yeah, maybe they both got promoted then. And <laughs> then uh, uh, Captain Timmons, who are, are there at the Air Guard side, um, and so they're at the with, they're with the 169th Fighter Wing uh, out at McIntyre, and again, we work with them on a regular basis, very similar to to uh, on the Army side. Probably, you know, a little bit less so in that they're 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 pretty much autonomous. We just interact from time to time as needed. Uh, but on the Air Guard side, they have very similar programming as to the Army, um, and they also will provide uh, legal assistance. And they're there, again, to advise the commanders. Um, and I think actually both of those attorneys are getting ready to do um, a deployment, believe mm-hmm. it or not. I think that the, the 169th Fighter Wing is going to be doing a deployment to uh, Saudi Arabia, and I think the, uh, they're, they're, uh, they're going on that deployment as well. Yeah, so,
0: Okay. Um, another question that I had. Um, with the numbers sir you were saying there's 23 slots in the state currently roughly estimated how many uh jag officers enlisted anybody within the corps like how many people do you think that you have right now that are in those slots
1: and judge advocates and paralegals Mm -hmm. i think close to 50 if you add the two together the judge advocates Mm -hmm. and and paralegals and we're, we're allowed to go to over strength, mm-hmm. and we've got a target of, of trying to get 150 percent over strength. We are not there with the judge advocates
2: or the paralegals, but um, I think it's around 50. Yeah, we're we're work. actually yeah we're authorized to be 200 percent over strength. So in other words, if we've got 20 slots, we could actually have 40 individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a little bit unmanageable, but our goal has always been to be right around that 140 to 150. That's kind of the sweet spot for our organization, at least from my perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we typically you know, we'll have, you know, one or two officers either retiring, uh, at, you know, at some point in time. And so, you know, we're trying to kind of always keep that churn to bring in new officers. And we've had officers come in from other branches too. So we, you know, one of our current JAGs is a former Marine. Uh, we've had other, uh, folks come in f- from the Air Guard side, from mm-hmm. the Air Reserve side, uh, from the active Air Force, duty. Yeah, for active duty. So, you, you know, uh, we've had, um, I'm not, we had actually yeah, we had a former uh, Navy officer that had, has, has come, had come in, so we, 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 we recruit from, from all branches of the service that have come that maybe maybe came back from South Carolina after active duty tour and are still looking to try to stay active in some way, shape or form. Um, so you know, we're happy to, to talk to them and, 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 and see see if, see if it's a good fit.
0: Okay. Now I know we kind of talked a little bit about it earlier, but basically, if anybody who's listening or watching is interested, they just can reach out to. We'll put the contact information yeah, below, yeah. but reach out to you guys to kind of get a feel for um, what they're interested in and the process to move forward and everything like that. Basically. Yep. Okay. Yeah. The, yeah
2: the, we'll get. We'll put, we'll put the information out. The recruiting retention office has a special branches recruiter that we work with. But typically, what we try to do is talk to those individuals one on one, and again, we'll try to give them some other names so they can talk to folks who who are you know kind of similarly situated to them, so mm-hmm. they can kind of get a good idea of hey, what's it really mean to be a JAG? What's it mean to be an M day JAG? The traditional Guardsman, where I'm just coming in on the weekend and doing annual training, uh, and then you know maybe doing schooling periodically. Uh, and we so, want to talk to them. Yep. So uh, you know, anyone listening, please call because we don't mind even if if
1: they're just kind of exploring the idea of it Mm -hmm. you know just to kind of understand whether whether or not they'd be interested we're happy to to talk about what we do with them and talk about what they would do if if they were to come on board Mm
0: -hmm. absolutely well I really appreciate y'all taking the time out of your very busy schedules to come talk to us before I close out is there anything that maybe we didn't talk about that you want to mention or a question that I didn't ask that you kind of want to talk about I know we Mm -hmm. talked about a lot but
1: I appreciate y'all doing this. This is kind of <laughs> yeah. uh, a great opportunity for us to talk about what we do and also um, us to to put out the word about some important information. But I don't have anything further,
2: y'all. Calvin, you got anything you want to close this out with? I think we covered all
3: the uh, items that uh, we brainstormed that would be uh, important. I think one thing is that uh, we didn't specifically say it in the way that we discussed it, like the myths about being okay. mm-hmm. Uh we work for the military, and that's our ultimate client. But as a part of that, uh, you think about what's our mission in the National Guard is to train and prepare for our nation's battles. That means making sure the soldiers are at ease when they go off the war or when they go off on deployments. So that's where legal assistance fits into it. So if you can structure it to preparing you for uh, your training mission, we can, we can assist you. Um but we're here, for the, we're here for the command, but we also here, are here for the soldiers and um, for the mission at the end of the day. so uh, I love being a JAG. is one of the best decisions uh, uh, I made. You know, uh, I'm glad I'm an attorney, uh, but I can tell you being a JAG attorney beats being a regular attorney you know, hands down every day, all day. One more thing. Uh, we didn't tell you where we're located. We're oh, located yeah. at the tag build on the third floor. If you get off the elevator and you go to your left mm-hmm. when you're facing the green room, uh, you'll pass by the cha- chaplain's area and then PAO area, mm-hmm. and then you'll run into the JAG area, and that's where we're at. If you have uh, needs or issues that are pressing, we'll be more than happy
1: to assist you. And at the brigades, each JAG is generally located close to the command and staff. So there's typically a judge advocate office somewhere in the vicinity if you if you make it to where the commander is and i know probably people <laughs> don't want to be walking by that office but if you're in that vicinity there's going to be a judge advocate somewhere uh office somewhere in that vicinity okay
0: uh, awesome anything else before <laughs> i just want to make sure we get everything
3: can't no, give an attorney you- a microphone with <laughs>
0: <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that yeah um all right well if you guys like this video make sure you give it a big thumbs up if you haven't subscribed to our channel make sure you hit the subscribe button and we will catch you guys in the next episode